0: to prayer and the, the prayer which brings us uh, out of ourselves and um, into such a special special place before the Lord isn't it um, and all of this has emerged from these things that we call the scriptures aren't they beautiful aren't they just beautiful let's just pray again Father God we just thank and praise you that when we turn to these pages in this book Lord we see such life-giving truth-affirming victory-giving freedom-enabling wonderful things, Lord. And as we delve again into your word today, Lord, we just ask that you uh, open our eyes to the glory that is there, Father God, because we praise you for all that you've done for us, because you loved us, Lord. You love each one of us that Jesus gave his life. So thank you. Thank you, Father. And be with us at this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Right. Well, praise the Lord. Um, We're going to have some readings, bless you, thank you people, Uh, we'll call upon you again later on, but that was really lovely. Um, We're going to have some readings, about four readings, and uh, this is entitled The Cross Pathway, The Pathway to the Cross, uh, how it was just guided through in the mind and the heart of God from the very beginning. So in this pathway, we're going to start at the beginning, we're going to start in Genesis, and I've asked Tony to bring us our first reading. I'm sure we can throw it up as, as well, bless you.
1: This reading is from Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 to 15. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded? you that you should not eat. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the servant, because you have done this, You are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head And you shall bruise his heel.
0: Thank you. Bless you, Tony. I've never heard Genesis shared in such a strong Yorkshire accent before. But it makes it all the better for it. (coughs) Um, Praise the Lord. Well, here we are, right back at the beginning where sin started. And um, there's a few things that we we get from that reading that Tony bought us, uh, which I find really interesting. Um, the the man and the woman hid themselves. And don't people try to hide their sin? Uh, They felt shame for the first time. They'd never felt shame before, so they'd never felt naked before. But now they felt shame, so they felt naked, so they hid themselves. And they thought they could cover their shame with fig leaves and cover their nakedness with fig leaves. It did not wash with God. And nothing will wash with God except the answer that God gives. Our answer to cover our shame and our sin will never work. Uh, and and so people go on hiding themselves, and if they can't can't hide their sin, fig leaves, they hide themselves, and they hid behind a bush when they heard God walking there in the cool of the day, in this wonderful fellowship that they had with God each evening in the cool of the day, and now it had been snatched away because sin had entered, and so they'd done this thing whereby they had eaten what they'd been told not to eat, And, and so after that, began the blame game and that's another thing which happens with sin the blame game so God called out have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to eat of Uh, and so the man said it was her the woman that you gave me she told me to eat and the woman said it was the serpent the serpent deceived me and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on (laughs) well he didn't after this anyway That's right. So so God turned and he cursed, in order going backwards, the serpent, then the woman, then the man. And I want to look at that in a little bit of detail. Um, It's actually the bit in red, uh, and I'm not sure how clearly you can see it, but that's the verse I want to highlight on. Verse 15, Genesis 3 verse 15 um, if you've got your Bible or your phone or something, look at it. It's, uh, for me, it's one of the tremendous verses of the Bible right there in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, this is up here in the New King James. And it says, and we're going to examine it in detail. He turned to the serpent and he said, You'll go on your belly all the days of your life and eat dust. And I will put enmity, eneminess, enmity between you and the woman, not the man, the woman, I will put enmity between you, serpent, and the woman. Goes on to say, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And we're just going to unpick that verse a little bit. I'll put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman. Here is the woman feeling the pressure of this curse which has been put on and she's going to feel the weight of it in a way but it goes on and between your seed that's the serpent's seed and her seed so what is the serpent's seed well seed is offspring what is the offspring of the serpent I'm going to read you a verse which kind of describes it It's Ephesians 2 verses 1 and 2 and there it says about Jesus it's, uh, and about us, it says, and, he, and, and and you he made alive, anybody here who's, you know, been made alive? And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in, what, in which you once were walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, who's that? The spirit who now works in the children of disobedience. Were we born into that? Were we born under the influence of the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, children of disobedience? We were not born into obedience with God, we were born into disobedience. We are the seed, we are the offspring of the fall that the serpent brought about. So when it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed, what are we talking about? The children of disobedience. Every human being that's ever been born of the flesh. So that's the serpent's seed. And he'll put enmity between that seed, children of disobedience, and her seed. What's her seed? The interesting thing is, The next thing it says is he. Singular male person. He. Goes on to say he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He. What are we looking for there? We are looking for a singular male who is the offspring of the woman. Now get this. He is not the offspring of the man. He is only the offspring of the woman. Couched. In Genesis 3, verse 15, is the virgin birth. The virgin birth of the Savior, the Savior who shall bruise Satan's head whilst himself being bruised in the heel. So, in other words, this seed of the woman, the virgin born male, shall deal the head blow, the death blow to Satan whilst receiving Im- himself bruising of the heel. Why does it say that? Because the Son of God could never be captivated by death. He will never be held by death. The, the wounds which he suffered on the cross were like a bruise to the heel. We can think of the nails put through his hands and put through his feet, but death could not contain him. In fact, it was in that death that he would mete out death to the serpent. So he meted out the death blow to, the, to Satan, and this wonderful death blow that he meted out on the cross was uh, that he overcame Satan, he overcame sin, he overcame death, and he overcame self, fleshly self, all of those things, so that we could be changed from the children of disobedience to the children of obedience. We could be changed from the children of darkness to the children of light. It all happened there. And it's all couched in Genesis 3.15. When was that spoken? Immediately after the fall. While they're all trying to blame each other, God comes in and says, Serpent, you're cursed. And you're cursed and there'll be enmity between you and the woman, between your multiple seed and her singular seed. But the singular seed of the woman will have the victory over the multiple seed of sin and death to all. How absolutely wonderful this is. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says this. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ he shall all be made alive. That's why it could not be the seed of the man. Because as in Adam all die. So it could not be the seed of the man. It had to be a virgin birth uh, of the woman. I heard one time that the Anglican bishops, bless their little hearts, had all been asked three questions. Do you believe in the virgin birth? Do you believe in the resurrection? And do you believe in the miracles? And they found there was a sort of a 50-50 split of I do or I don't. Can you get that? That's amazing, isn't it? amongst vicars, it was rather higher that they did believe in the virgin birth. We cannot do anything but believe in the virgin birth, the resurrection, and the miracles of Jesus Christ. It's all here in Genesis 3.15. As in Adam, all die. So, we know it goes on to uh, curse the woman because she was deceived. She was deceived and the Curse upon her was that she would have pain in childbirth. Is there anybody here who can testify to that? I, you know, my hands down. I did slightly, you know, by crushing of the hand while it was going. No, sorry, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. Pain in childbirth, but also care and oversight of her husband because she had been deceived. Uh, The husband will have the rule over you because of your propensity to deception that was, that was there. So the woman was deceived. But we're going to come to our second reading and Brian's going to bring it to us as we carry on journeying through Genesis chapter 3 and look at the curse that came upon the man. Thank you, Brian. Genesis 3,
2: 17 to 20. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin
0: and clothed them. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Okay. Second part of this then is this curse upon the man. You've heeded the voice of your wife. You've eaten what I told you not to. You have brought sin as in Adam all die. And the curse was that the ground was cursed because of this. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to you. Whereas before it just brought forth the fruits which they were eating of. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to you. In the sweat of your face, you're going to eat, and then you'll die. To dust, you will return. So that was Adam, and that's what he had to live with. And I want you to take special note of what um, uh, of those, uh, that, that curse upon Adam, that work would become a toil and an effort. Anybody testify to this? That uh, Yeah, good, okay. Um, and that uh, thorns and thistles, it'll be, it'll be hard, it'll be difficult, but thorns and thistles is what the earth will bring forth. The thorns and thistles were not there before the fall of mankind. So in that sense, thorns and thistles represent fallen humanity because it was not there before humanity fell. So thorns and thistles, fallen humanity. So Adam took this one on the chin and said, you know, basically, okay, I'll work hard. I'll sweat my brow. I'll produce that sort of thing. Um, But he turned in that moment of time to his wife who had only up to this point been called woman. And he said, I'm going to call her name Eve because she is the mother of all living. Now, Cain and Abel had not been born, and it might be that he was thinking to himself, well, she's going to be the mother of Cain and Abel and then uh, Seth and then their children and their children, the, the mother of all who come, all descended from them physically and in the flesh. But they're also descended from Adam. And in Adam all die. So was he thinking that, that Eve would be the mother of all living because everybody would come for her? Or was he thinking, what is it God has just told me? He has just said that her seed he will overcome the the problem of Satan and the children of disobedience and bring life where there was death. And and God heard this, that she was called the mother of all living. She'll be the mother of Jesus. Jesus will be the, the creator of salvation and all that are saved in him. And he called her mother of all living Eve. And so verse 21 simply says, it was at that point that that God made skins for Adam and his wife. Also, Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. They had tried to hide their sin with fig leaves and it didn't work. God clothed them with tunics of skin. Now get this, they weren't woolly vests. He didn't knit them out of a fleece. They were tunics of skin. They were the result of sacrifice. They were clothed in sacrifice. It may have even been that God didn't clean up the inside of those skins before he dressed them in them. It may have been that they were still a bit bloody. But he clothed them in that. And that gave them the presence whereby they could, they could still commune with God. And hear him because they were clothed in sacrifice. How incredible that Adam saw that when he, and and God did that the moment he said, this woman's name shall be Eve, the mother of all living. Hebrews 2.9 says this, we see Jesus who was made for a little while, a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned now with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone, that through death, sacrifice he might destroy him who has the power of death that is the devil the serpent and so they were clothed in tunics and they could commune with god once more we're going to move this story on a little bit and we've got a picture rather than a scripture to go to next and you'll recognize this as abraham offering up isaac and uh, you'll know the story genesis 22 where he was called upon to sacrifice his only son. And God came to Abraham. Uh, and at the moment, Ishmael had gone. And, and he said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and offer him to me. It was an, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing chapter. Um, be, be this emphasis of your only son, whom you love. This was, God was laying it upon him. And he was almost asking, Father Abraham, can this be done can a father sacrifice his own son whom he loves? And Abraham was obedient and in essence said yes. And he went on a journey and he went to Mount Moriah, which happens to be Temple Mount, which is in the news at the moment. Temple Mount was where the temple was built on the mountain where God led a- Abraham too, to sacrifice Isaac. And as he was there with his, with his dagger poised, ready to bring it down, we know there was this thing, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, "Yes, Lord, do not slay the son. I've seen your heart. I've seen your disobedience. Uh, you're sorry. Your obedience. <laughs> your <laughs> obedience. Bless your heart, Abraham. And and uh, oh my word, a father can sacrifice his only son whom he loves. And God, cherish God's heart. I'm going to have to do that. Even God thought I'm going to have to do that. But I've seen that it's possible because you've been obedient. And then what happened? Abraham looked around, and if you look at that picture, you'll see it. There was a ram." caught by its horns in what a thorn bush a thorn bush and so and so what you've got here is there on the left hand side it may be a bit unclear but it's there and um and what it's saying is here's a ram a sacrifice caught by its horns its head in a thorn bush this representation of fallen humanity and so it made it possible that this ram In embodying fallen humanity could become the sacrifice which would save Isaac. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That's a beautiful picture that he didn't have to sacrifice Isaac because of the ram. A substitutionary death is revealed at that time. I'm going to press on as well and talk about, um, no, no, we're going to get our third reading. Our third reading. And it's Hiab who's going to bring it. Bless her. And we're going to move on to Exodus chapter twelve.
3: Thank you. Okay. So, ex- Exodus chapters. Oh, okay. Exodus, Exodus chapter twelve. Every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on the night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on the night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be signed for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt.
0: so the passover here's the children of israel being under slavery and persecution for 400 years in egypt Um, it it tells how they got weary under this slavery and began to cry out and groan to god and say help us rescue us lord from this slavery we want freedom and um, and god heard them and so he raised up moses and sent moses in and moses came and brought nine plagues upon egypt and upon pharaoh and they only served to harden the heart of Pharaoh. Um, but it came to the tenth and last and most terrible, the Passover. That's just been beautifully read for us. And, and it was the Lord's Passover. Take this lamb, slay it, and put the blood on the, on the doorposts and the lintel of your door. And when the angel of death passes over, it will see the blood and pass over you untouched. How wonderful it is to be under the blood that death will pass over you and you will be untouched. We have a wonderful, wonderful destiny of a deathless eternity. We have to make a transition from the physical to the spiritual, from here to heaven, but it is but a transition. And Paul said, I don't know whether to stay with you or to go, because to go will be far better. Paul knew it would be far better. For him to be in eternity so this passover lamb was wonderful but how it illustrated of what this seed of the woman would do and uh, and we will recall in john 1 29 that john the baptist saw jesus coming towards him and said to his disciples behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world 1 corinthians 5 7 simply says for indeed christ our Passover was sacrificed for us, that death may be passing over you. You can be assured in that. We rest in that assurance. We, we have hope and we do not have doubt. Doubt your doubts, believe your beliefs, uh, because that's, that's what we're called to do. So um, that wonderful illustration of what Jesus would be. Now, for those 400 years in slavery, they had not been able to worship. They had not had a Sabbath day. None of that happened until they were released. But when they were released under Moses' leadership and went into Sinai, they then set up the tabernacle, uh, the tent of God's presence, over which he dwelt over the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, separated by a veil that we've already heard about this evening. Uh, And the veil was separating from the holy place where the priests did their service every day, but couldn't go into the Holy Holies except once a year on the day of Yom Kippur. And the day of Yom Kippur was a sacrifice day in which all the sins that had not been bought, all the extra or accidental ones, would be covered. And it was covered by the sacrifice of a uh, lamb or goat, but they brought two, one to be sacrificed and for the blood to be taken in by the high priest and poured out on the mercy seat on top of the ark. a second one, uh, Aaron the high priest was told to put his hands upon the head to transfer the sins of the people onto that goat and then release it into the far distant wilderness. And somebody was to take it deep into the wilderness. And the idea was it would be never seen again. Just as in Christ, our sins are never seen again. They are removed as far as the east is from the west. If it said as far as the north is from the south, there'd be North Pole and South Pole. It's measurable. You cannot measure the east from the west. You know, it sort of carries on going around. You just go on and on. So, as far as the east is from the west... Our sins are removed from us by this imputing of the sin upon the sacrificial, one sacrificial goat and one to be released. Um, And that uh, was another illustration of what was needed to make that happen. So we have this Passover lamb, we have the Yom Kippur, we have uh, Jesus who's fulfilling all these things as the woman's seed. And we're going to step right into that New Testament reading where it all happens before us that we've thought about also. And I'm going to invite Amanda, if she would read to us from Mark 15.
4: Mark 15, 25 to 39. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above the king of the Jews. With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he's calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the Centurion, who stood opposite him, saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, "Truly, this man was the Son of God."
0: Amen Amen, thank you. What a wonderful uh, account, the third uh, hour they crucified Jesus. That's measured from six o'clock in the morning, so that was nine o'clock Jesus was crucified. I looked at my watch at 11 o'clock today and I thought, oh, my Lord, you've already hung there for two hours in this pain and torture. And then a little bit later in the day, 12 o'clock came round, And Steve uh, uh, mentioned it earlier, I think, where darkness came on the face. The sun hid its face because of the most awful thing that's ever happened on the face of this world was that they crucified the Son of Glory. And it remained dark for three hours there's a scripture which is up on the board which uh, you can look at later in Colossians where it says that he triumphed over all the demons and made a public spectacle of them openly in the cross. And I believe it was tho- during those three hours of darkness that Jesus completely triumphed over the forces of darkness. It was a wonderful, wonderful triumph. A painful one but a wonderful one. But as, as he gave his life and dripped his blood which would fulfill everything that, uh, that had been said in the, uh, the build-up, in the way that God envisaged this salvation of mankind. Um, and just to, I'm just going to look briefly, we can have for the next slide, at the preparation that went on um, for that. Yeah. Um, Mark 15, 16 says this. This is Jesus being brought to uh, the cross. It says, The soldiers led Jesus into the hall called Praetorium, And they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple. They clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of what? What does thorns represent? Fallen humanity. They twisted together a crown, a king's crown. But it wasn't of gold, it was of thorns. And what what I see is this, that just as... Aaron was called upon to place his hands upon the goat and impute the whole sin of Israel that had been done for all that year upon a goat one would be sacrificed one would be sent away never to be seen again in the same way the imputation of the sin of the world had to be put upon Jesus's head it wasn't done by a high priest because Jesus was the great high priest it was done by a crown of thorns representing fallen humanity. And as that was thrust onto his head, the sin of the world came upon him. It was really at that moment that he probably felt, Aloi, Aloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was dressed in sin as that rested upon him. But he wasn't only dressed in a crown of thorns. They dressed him in purple. And I want to look for a moment in that purple. So I've put another scripture up, up, up out of um, Exodus chapter 26 when they're building the tabernacle which became the same model for the temple and they had to divide this place, the holy place in which God would inhabit from the holy, uh, the holy place which the priests would inhabit from the holy of holies where God would inhabit and they did it by a veil. And it says this, you shall make a veil a woven of blue purple and scarlet and the fine linen and you shall hang the veil from clasps and they shall bring the ark of the covenant in there behind the veil and the veil is a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy where god will dwell so the way and the to the presence of god was divided off by a veil every time it said blue purple scarlet what was blue where do we see blue we saw plenty of it today lovely day we look up and we see blue. It speaks to us of the heavenlies, of the dwelling place of God, which is an unreachable place for us at this moment in time. But it goes on to say purple and then scarlet. Purple is the color of royalty. When, when King Charles gets coron- his coronation, he will be dressed in purple because as, the, as Queen Elizabeth was when she had the coronation, because it is the color of royalty um so blue purple scarlet what does that speak of it speaks of sin it speaks of blood Isaiah come now let us reason together though your sins are as scarlet they shall be white as snow though they are red like crimson they shall be as wool so so the scarlet speaks of the sin down here below the blue speaks of the heavenly holy habitation of God those two are poles apart what brings them together purple purple is a blend of blue and red those two are prime colors but in the middle of them is purple and jesus the king of kings the royal one was the only one who could bring those together blue and red together clash because they are both prime colors but that clash was born in the body of jesus a great clash happened in him no wonder we have to break the bread when we remember him. I like to snap that little thing before I eat it because I think he said, I, uh, when you break this bread, you remember my body broken because this great clash happened in his body that we've witnessed and we've seen growing upon there. So in this wonderful way, Philippians two eight that being found in appearance a man but the seed of a woman and the virgin birth. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to his grace. And uh, Hebrews 10, we've heard it. We have boldness to enter the holiest place through the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And so as we look through these wonderful scriptures and see pathway to the cross, we're going to see number one, if we can have up the next slide, that it was through the cross that Jesus took the punishment for all my sins. He actually took the punishment for the sins which had been covered by sheep and goats. They didn't take away sin, they covered them until Jesus came and took them away. He took away the ones in the past and the ones in the future, the ones all around the world. He's taken away our sin so that we can stand before God. Number two, through the cross, death has passed over me. We rest in comfort and assurance that it has no place in our fearful minds because it is a pathway to our glory that he has already trod for us. And thirdly, it says that through the cross, I am welcomed i'm invited come with boldness to the presence of god and live in it because it is yours children of disobedience you have become the children of light the children of god and an invitation into that wonderful family through that pain of the cross isn't it wonderful praise the lord let's stand together amen gracious father we thank and we praise you that, Lord, we, we, we delve into this wonderful pathway that was born at the moment that sin came into the world and disturbed what had been a fellowship between God and mankind. And so, Lord, you knew what you would have to face. You knew that you would have to give up your son, but you were prepared to do that. Jesus, you were prepared to go for the sin to be obedient even unto death and bear the sins of the world upon you. Lord, we carry a little bit of guilt. You carried all the guilt and all the shame. You overcame temptation. You lived a sinless life, and yet you had that sin placed upon you, thrust upon you by a crown of thorns of the fallen world, Lord. So, Lord, we stand before you, and we want to humble ourselves, Lord, and say, Father, we are nothing without you. You deserve everything of us because you gave everything of you. Oh, Lord, such a wondrous cross deserves my life, my soul, my all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's give our thanks to him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you for the cross. Thank you for what you did for me, Lord. Thank you that you see me in you. Glorious God, what a wonder you are. Praise your holy name, Lord. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Um, The worship group are just going to play, but what I'd like to invite is there's some things around the back. There's a communion table where you can take of the little plastic one, or you may want to take of the wine and the bread and break it off as it's broken for you. That's your choice. If you take from the wine, there's tissues, just wipe it clean, pop that in the bin for the next person. There's a wall which just gives statements about the cross on which you can write your thanks and your thoughts and your reflection on some post-its that are there and pop them up. There's some sand trays over in the corner and there's a wonderful verse which says, and it's in Colossians, that the handwriting which was written against us has been wiped clean through the cross. And if there's something, a burden you're bearing that you want God to wipe clean, you could write it in the sand with your finger and then wipe it out because in the cross it is wiped out. So feel free to do that on the sand tray. So that's the invitation as we close this time with reflections and just an activity to bring us to that place. Steve, did you want to add anything there?
1: and Chris lead us so well through that journey, yeah? Thank you, Chris.